Welcome to Talking Jets. My name's Ryan and I'll be your pilot tonight. I am joined alongside my co-pilots. I have Greenbean to my this way and I have Matt O'Leary to my that way. Greenbean, how are you doing tonight? Oh my God, I'm excited. Look at all these big uglies we're bringing in. What a good day this is. To hell with George Fant. Let's talk about Obagoogie. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh matt how are you doing tonight miserable um a couple things quick off the top i got a rant about one i oh, have to let's go, go <laughs> i have to go at 8 45 because i have to pick up my sister from jfk and i hate going to the airport that's one of my worst like i hate it so i'm not looking forward to that at all but I said to Ryan and Greenbean, like, I have to come on to fire off some jet takes before I go, just so, like, I can get in the right space mentally. But also, all day, like, I live near, like, right near a college. I won't say which one, but I'm sure people already know. doesn't matter. Uh, and there was, like, some sort of union protest outside, you know, where they have, like, the big rat and the people standing outside. And they're holding mm -hmm. up signs, like, honk to support whatever union. And there's just been horns all goddamn day from like eight in the morning till it's still going right now it's driving me nuts i i need this more than i think anyone else in the chat so i am just so thankful to be able to talk with you guys because i'm going clinically insane over here Damn. <laughs> yeah. chat we are glad to have you with us boys and girls hit that like button on your way in if you want to get qualified for our t-shirt giveaway all you have to do is retweet this stream and if you're listening to this after the fact all you got to do is comment on the video down below to get entered into next week's t-shirt giveaway and if you don't want to kill your phone battery and you want to listen to us this this is actually available in podcast form so if you search talking jets you'll be able to find that uh along with the monday call-in show as well so boys and girls Lots to go over. Let's jump into our first thoughts of the Jets' loss to the Bengals. The Jets get walloped 27-12 in what felt like a game that was not remotely as close as 27-12. Greenbean, what were your thoughts on the game? Uh, I, you know, it, it's a weird game because it felt like it was over early right like even when we were talking about it at halftime it was like clearly there's plenty of time left but it just felt like we weren't going to be able to do much you know we would have to see a major turnaround and and that's been one of the issues that we've talked about one of the things that we were hoping would stop this year was the slow starts we didn't want to see that coming onto the field going uh three and out and then their, their offense drives down the field seven minutes into the end zone. Then we come out three and out. You know, that's what we were hoping not to see. And that's what this game was. It was, it was ineptitude on the offense. It was uh, really the first half the defense looked completely, complete, you know, just utterly lost and confused and making bonehead mistakes with all that still going on. The Jets were still in this game. All the way until about, yeah, let's say nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. That's when it was like, this is over. But the truth is, we were right there. We just couldn't do anything. I Look, I can, the silver lining is the defense clamped down. I don't know who did that. If that was Ulbrich, Sala, or just CJ Mosley and fucking Quincy Williams. I don't know. Somebody did it, and they only scored uh, a touchdown in the second half which is great, but it didn't matter because the offense chose not to help them out in the slightest. And it's just, it's one of those things, man. It's like, uh, you know, there's lots to talk about, but the truth is, is that 
Jets fans are 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 upset, and I am one, so I I count myself among that that group. I'm upset with everybody else because it's not that we lost to the defending AFC champions with an, with a backup quarterback. I've heard that argument, and that is true. It's that we looked lifeless and confused yet again with our 21st game under this coaching staff. And let's not forget, Robert Sala got eight new starters of his personal choosing, and a lot of them were first-round picks or high-priced free agents. And uh, and it's still the 32nd-ranked defense in the NFL. We, I'm sure we'll get into the rotation. I have huge problems with the rotation. Um, but, yeah, it's just it sucks, man. And there's no way to sugarcoat it. There are positives. But at the end of the day, we looked lifeless, which is what we looked like last year, and that sucks. Yeah, and let's not let's talk about the whole. Oh, the Bengals lost to Mitch Trubisky. Oh, the Bengals lost to Cooper Rush. Oh, Joe Flacco's in there. He should at least appear to be like a little bit better. Uh, you know, I would think you'd probably take Flacco maybe over the other two in a one game situation. I mean, maybe not given, you know, what we've seen so far <laughs> at this point. Right. But yeah, dude, incredibly frustrating. Matt, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, biggest things for me is one, the defensive line feels completely fraudulent because all we've heard is that, oh, like this, it's built on this system is built on the pass rush. They have, we were talking about all summer, right? Like, who are they going to cut? There's, they're like a million deep at the defensive line position, and it still doesn't matter. Uh, they couldn't get home rushing four. Then they were blitzing, and that came back to bite them because Jordan Whitehead didn't wrap up. But it's the same things that they're, they're killing themselves. They, they can't tackle. It's the same mental mistakes, the same dumb penalties, the same drops. And it's veterans, too. Like the Corey Davis personal foul, that drove me up a goddamn wall. That was ridiculous. There is no reason for him to be putting the team in that spot. And then offensively, Joe Flacco looked like disinterested almost on Sunday. He was He had no inkling of when the pass rush was coming it felt like every time he got hit he fumbled and it was like oh, all right that that's that like it, it is what it is kind of a thing it's just that was a really unbelievably frustrating one they were in it but like if they ever converted a field goal to a touchdown then it would have felt like maybe more they would have been in it a little bit more but just a really really disappointing day from the <laughs> offense thank god we don't have to watch Joe Flacco anymore and Zach is coming back. And that at least could be your silver lining of, all right, now we have to see what the heck is going on with our young quarterback. Yeah, mental unforced errors like this. Corey Davis, you mentioned, uh, JFM hitting Burrow after the play was, not after the play was done, but after he got rid of the ball. Jordan Whitehead not wrapping up, Joyner throwing his body at you know a defenseless wide receiver. This to me is coaching malpractice. This is discipline. Yep. This is a, a a huge issue, and I don't want to, you know, I'm not claiming to, you know, want coaches on the hot seat or anything like that, but, like, be put on notice. Like, this is on you. There's plenty of talent in this league, plenty of talent on this team to be competitive. You're, we're watching the Lions, the Giants, the Jaguars, all playing good football with, you know, equally as bad talent or, you know, maybe not even as good a talent as we have. Like, the, the Jets should be playing a lot better. Now, yeah. guys, I see some super chats over there. Jay, Old Mellow Yellow, Benji, Matt, and Brian will get to your super chats. I just want to rip through a few topics uh, real quick, and then we'll we'll jump over to all that sort of stuff. Yeah, dude, this was a really frustrating uh, loss for the New York Jets. This one felt worse than the other ones. Like, I could at least rationalize, okay, new offensive line against the Ravens. You're going against Lamar Jackson. The weather's not great. 
Like, and we stayed in that game. Like, we could have won that game. We wind up beating the Browns. Like, okay, cool. You know, didn't see a pass rush because they are a heavy run team, just like, you know, the Ravens. So, so I could rationalize that. This game, bad offensive line, should have been able to tee them up and, like, go after Burrow. Like, Burrow, to me, is as close to a statue in the pocket as you're going to find in young quarterbacks today. Like, like he's not known for his running ability, but he can escape and he was able to kind of cause the Jets fits. You know, I saw a stat the other day that was a Carl Lawson, like on 63 pass rush attempts, has the highest pressure rate of any edge rusher in the league. And I'm thinking like, well, that's great, but like, we're still not getting any pressure. Like, (laughs) send this dude more, like the whole defensive rotation things, BS. That's apparently what what Quinn and Williams was getting fired up about, like, hey, let us send four, like, drop everyone else back into covers. There's no reason to send extra blitzers. Let us get home, which to me is like, get home then. Like, stop having this, you know, you know, there have plenty of time in the pocket. We're not getting to the quarterback. So I'm just frustrated. Greenbean, I know you wanted yeah. to touch a little bit on the uh, defensive rotation front. Yeah, well, it's an interesting thing. I mean, look, you know, this, I think one of the big problems, and and it's so funny, the arguments that come out of people in the chat. I mean, some of you guys, I'm just going to say this, are so stupid, I can't even talk to you anymore. (laughs) All right, some of you, not clearly not all of you, but it's really getting to a point. It's like, I I don't even understand the argument. It's as if you don't absorb any new information to actually create an opinion based on facts. And that's just, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with you guys, some of you. That said, here's my number one problem with the team right now. And look, you can you can point to all kinds of things, you know, um, whether it's, you know, we should have taken a tackle in the first round. Well, it just so happens that the fourth round tackle that we did take is outplaying the tackles that were in the first round. So we did get a tackle in the draft. Now we did hope we weren't planning to play him this early, but he is outplaying both Evan Neal, Icky, and um Cross. The other guy. Yeah, right. He's outplaying all of them. Uh so there it is. So there's that. So uh it's not necessarily um, you know, the solution. It's not that simple all the time, right? So there's that. Um, but you know, when you look at a plan. And you lose three guys at one position, even the guys that you brought in who have never been injured to, you know, to replace the guy that did get injured and they get injured and they're on IR. This is our third straight tackle on IR, guys. That's one of those things that nobody, no general manager or no, you know, coach, whatever, you can't plan for that by having five deep starting tackles like you just it's not it's not real now it sucks and I'm with everybody but again we took a fourth round tackle even though he's starting earlier we're fortunate he's outplaying everybody so we did do that so the idea like told you so we should have grabbed it it's a stupid argument and, and it doesn't hold water um Secondarily, here's the whole problem. The the coaching staff, as we see them, now we have seen them, like I mentioned earlier, they're the 32nd ranked defense all last year. They couldn't stop screen passes. They couldn't stop tight ends. Um, they were giving far too much space, soft zone, miscommunications, all that sort of stuff. We go out and we raise the talent on the defense what twofold, threefold, fivefold? It's a completely different level of talent on this team. Now, maybe not Super Bowl talent. I don't think we have a Micah Parsons or somebody like that yet, but it's a significantly upgraded unit, and we're still 32nd. 
So there's a stubbornness going on here to what they wanted to do without acknowledging what they're seeing in front of their face. And I'm going to give you one example. And again, I'm not shitting on anybody. I'm just going to give you an example. Carl Lawson played, sorry, I just, I just scrolled and I lost it. Can you, uh, so, uh, there. Carl Lawson played 68% of the defensive snaps, which by the way is too low for the guy that you want to be your, your number one starter, but he played Correct. 68% of the snaps and that's 45 defensive plays. He came up with zero tackles for a loss, zero sacks and zero tackles. So he got a couple pressures, skiddly do. That's wonderful. Thank you for the pressures. He didn't get home on anything in 45 plays. Conversely, Michael Clemens was out there for 19 plays, uh, which equates to, where are you, 28%, two tackles and a tackle for a loss. So here's what I would like to see. Number one, I hate the rotation, and we've been talking about it since the day Ulbricht mentioned it. We all made videos like, mm, I don't know, man. We tried to make it make sense, but it doesn't make sense. Dennis Bird was on the field the whole game. Joe Klecka was on the field the whole game. Jeff Lagerman, Marvin Washington, Mark Asinow, Marty Lines. They were on the the field the whole game because they were the best players that we had. The next tier was depth. They were not as good as those players, so we kept the best players on the field. But here's the thing. If you think Carl Lawson, and this is just an example, he's the best guy. But for whatever reason, he's not having the impact as the guy you put in for one-third the amount of time. In my opinion, you should stick the guy in who's actually playing well in that particular game and roll with it. But they don't do that. It's as if they make their plan beforehand and they don't give a shit what happens in the game. They stick to it. And that, to me, is a big problem. And maybe I'm off base. Maybe I'm off base. Of course, I don't have uh, the access to the intricate details and all those types of things. And, I, and I, will, I will offer that up on the table. That said, what we're seeing is a failing experiment that they choose to stick to. We saw it all last year. And in my opinion, there's far too much talent on this damn team to be 32nd defense in the NFL, man. It's unacceptable. Yep. Matt, how are you feeling about the rotation and the defense in general? It's very, very, very frustrating. And um, just while Greenbeam was, he said it perfectly, but while he was going, I was thinking, and you were going through all those guys, why is Bryce Huff still a healthy scratch? Like, mm -hmm. if your pass rush is struggling, and then you go into a week three where you know it's a pin your ears back and get after the quarterback game. Why do you not have one of your best pass rushers dressed? It doesn't make any sense. Here's what are we one. doing here? Right. Like, mm -hmm. why? Nathan Shepard should not be getting the run. Jacob Martin should not be getting the run that he's getting. You go right down the line. They are so stubborn, and they just won't adjust which i think that's the most frustrating part is they're like sticking to their guns and they're gonna try like hell to make it work and if it doesn't then it's everybody else's fault but their own they come up with a billion excuses on why things around them are failing i guess if we're saying hey maybe we're doing something wrong let's try to change it up a little bit and to me i think that's the the part that aggravates me the most you have two corners who are playing phenomenal would, would it kill you to play man and let four guys get after it no they're gonna play the soft zone all day the burrow's gonna dink and dunk his way down the field and you're gonna give up points which is exactly what happened 
Yeah, and this defense is absolutely improved too. Like I know 32nd ranked defense and, and whatnot, you know, the sacks aren't there, but like the corners are way more improved. Like Jamar Chase on sauce didn't really have like any yards. <laughs> I think it was 10 attempts and you saw Chase starting it like sauce was getting under Chase's skin. Like this is something that you should just have him follow the entire time because sauce, I think in all three games, or at least the last two, there's been some type of miscommunication between what he should be running and what the safety is running or the defensive player next to him is running. And you had Amari Cooper score a touchdown and Jamar Chase score a touchdown, both when Sauce was just, you know, not on him. Like, stick him on the best player and let him just ball out. There's no reason to have him in zone at all at this point in time. Um, I want to, real quick, got to pay some bills. And Manscaped, if you're watching... Send me a new updated read. <laughs> Fellas, fantasy football draft season is right around the corner. Mm -hmm. CeeDee Lamb is good, but you, uh, have you seen these beautiful balls? It's time to get your snake looking right for this snake draft with today's sponsor, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have created a championship lineup with the Performance Package 4.0. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code JETSTALK. <sighs> All right, let's rip through a few Super Chats. I saw those come through, uh, and I should have been hitting the little star button on it, and I didn't do that, so I got to find them again, so bear with me. Uh, J-Boy says, Sally needs to take over play calling on D. I think that's absolutely where we're headed at this point. Um, I think Ulbrich will get... I want to say maybe to like the Miami game or so to uh, to try and straighten things out. And if it doesn't work out, then Ulbrich will have his play calling duties taken away. Sal will take over. Uh, and then maybe you see something happen at the, uh, you know, the bye week with Ulbrich. But I think he will be the sacrificial lamb for sure. Uh, Old Mellow Yellow says, I fully believe that Zach can have the same, ty uh, same type of impact that Trevor Lawrence is having for the Jags. Trevor Lawrence has been killing it for them and looks like a top 15 quarterback. I feel like Zach can mimic that. Go Jets. Matt, what are your thoughts on Zach Wilson coming back and possibly looking the way Trevor Lawrence has the Jaguars looking right now? That'd be phenomenal. I think that's all what we're asking for. Maybe it doesn't even probably have to be as big of a leap as what we're seeing from Trevor Lawrence or Jalen Hurts or even Tua. Um, but he has to take a big step in the right direction. And uh, like, I just don't want him to look like Trey Lance or Mac Jones or God forbid, Justin Fields, who I mean, th that kid's in a poor in, in an awful, awful situation, but he's he's looks terrible right now. So I, I just hope he comes in and looks like a functioning NFL quarterback. Yeah, and he's saying all the wrong stuff too. He said something. Yeah, uh, you see the shot he took at the fans, and he's like, "Oh, dude, what are you on, dumb? What are you know, doing? He's an idiot." He, they don't have the same coaching going on over there for the press as we do over here. I mean, our guys, at least, you know, Mike. When Garrett Wilson said, "Man, before we go out there, they tell us," you know what I mean? Like they talk to us. Don't say this. Don't say that. This is what they're doing to you. They're trying to get you to say this. You know, Justin Fields. They let him go out there and make a fool of himself. Uh, Greenbean, any thoughts on the Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson coming back, maybe looking a little bit better than, uh, than what we've seen so far. Well, I think, I think again, man, it's, it's all about, you know, I mean, well, Zach, it's hard to say because the guy's been friggin' injured, right? So we don't know what the hell we know. We, he might, I mean, if he wasn't injured, he could be throwing for 574 yards a game, right? We don't know. So we don't know anything. He could be throwing for 40 yards a game. So it's hard to say, but when you look at like Trevor Lawrence, 
or Jalen Hurts or Tua, what's the big, what's the common denominator there? Like, what's the variable? They, they all have coaches uh, that are, that are changing the culture around those, those organizations. I mean, Mike McDaniel, um, you know, we all liked him. You know, uh, I mean, he's, he's a guy that we've been talking about for a long time. He went down there. He's no nonsense. You know, Peterson, he brought the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Yes, he got fired unceremoniously and all that jazz. Uh, that shit happens. I mean, it happens to Coughlin. It happens to Andy Reid. It happens, you know, all these guys, it happens to. But he's a good coach. And he goes down there. And the and the team, you know, it has a lot going on. And Trevor Lawrence is, is thriving. Now, on our side, while I don't, I don't want to throw stones at Lafleur yet. I mean, one of the things that I, I can't stand, and we were talking about it last year, is like third and one empty backfield. You know what I mean? Taking away the idea that maybe we could run. You know, so they know it's a pass. Just stuff like that, or like here's Connor McDermott. He's getting eaten alive because uh, he sucks, and he's got a and he's got a bum ankle. And we have two tight ends on the field, but they're not in line next to the tackles. They're out wide. So, like, why the hell is Conklin over there playing the X and then Connor McDermott solo style with an empty backfield? Like, there's no help. So that's what I don't understand. Like, I would like to see some of that kind of addressing what's happening in real time. And if Zach Wilson comes in and they do some of that, like, hey, look, we know we have a deficiency over here. Here's the game plan to, to account for that. I think Zach will be an uptick uh, and and a, and a shot in the arm uh, for this team. I think he's more talented than Flacco. He's clearly more athletic. He's younger, stronger arm at this point, more accurate. He's obviously got the uh, you know the the mobility in the pocket, all those things. So a lot of that stuff can can really help. But if we just stick Connor McDermott on the edge against Alex Highsmith and we don't give him any help or anything like that, Zach's dead. And that's what that's the way it's going to go, man. And we're going to watch this guy uh, get his his knee re-injured, and we're going to be watching Flacco again in the third quarter. I mean, this this is up to coaching, and that's the, again the problem when you look at those quarterbacks. The big change is coaching, in my opinion. Ben Younger drops in. Twenty games is enough to see how a coach is. Salah is not a good head coach. Great guy, maybe a good defensive coordinator, not a head coach. We need to cut our losses with him after the season. We need an offensive guy. I completely disagree. Seventeen of those twenty games were with an awful roster with no weapons whatsoever. This is not a good time to judge uh, Salah. I would say I want to see him for a full three years. I think when you wind up cutting coaches every two years, you get players that don't want to go to a high turnover. Uh, organization. I think you get coaches that don't want to go to a high turnover organization because these are their careers that they're putting on the line. I completely disagree with Benji here. Greenbean, what are your thoughts? Is 20 games enough to see uh, what we have in Salah? Uh, well, it's it's somewhere in the middle. I, I think I'm kind of right in the middle of both of you guys. Um, I think that 20 games is certainly enough to identify some of the shit that he needs to change. I'll tell you that, mm -hmm. you know, last yeah. year it was like, well, we don't know, you know, what he's starting a bunch of rookies, right? We had that we're evaluating. It's an evaluation year, which it was, you know, we started more yeah. rookies than anybody else in the NFL. That's great. This year, you know, don't forget last year and this year together, Robert Sala is the only coach in my in fucking NFL history in his first two years to get five first round picks you know, uh, added to his roster. In addition to that, Joe Douglas spent $80 million or, or whatever it was on the players that Salah wants. So, 
when that happens, we should be able to see by 20 games something in the way of a progression. Maybe something like looking like, okay, well, they don't have it yet, but they're deaf. You see it. You see it. We're not seeing that. Now, the tackle injury is a big thing, of course. Joe Flacco is a big thing, of course. But even with those things, this is where I agree with Benji. I think that there should be more going on in the ways of real-time adjustments and addressing things. Again, dude, what I watched... It just seemed like we didn't care what was happening in the game. We had a game plan that we were going to stick to. Didn't matter if it was working or not. This is what we're doing today. And we'll figure out next week, next week. And that, to me, is kind of bothersome. And, and, it, and it's unfortunate. That said, do I think we should chop Salah's head off and fire him? No, that's not where I am. Matt, 20 games enough to know what we have in Salah? I'm kind of I'm more along the lines with Greenbean. Uh, I don't think like he deserves a, a free pass. I do think he deserves the criticism that he's getting, but I don't think you can pull the plug on 20 games. I want to see how the rest of this year pulls out. So I don't want to necessarily set or plays out. Excuse me. Um, I don't um, want to pull the plug on him necessarily. But if they're like three and 14, it would be very difficult for me to have optimism in him going forward. So. Um, I think it's really, I, I feel like I've said this a, a billion times, but Robert Sala and Joe Douglas too, a lot of their future has to do with how Zach Wilson looks. So we're not yeah. going to know that until the next few weeks. Matt Zizzleman says, I still believe in this team and I still believe in Sala. If I'm the only one, so be it, we'll figure this out. You're not the only one. We got some believers. It's just waning a little bit uh brian yeah. says tomlinson is playing like a very expensive greg van roten that is incredibly sad and not incredibly wrong <laughs> like in any case uh, i would say he has been the most disappointing player on our offense so far uh green beans burner <laughs> says why yeah, the f that, that, that must mean i made it you know it's not quite the blue check that matt has <laughs> <laughs> but it's something. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. And it's Why? P. Ryan as the picture, too. That's great. Oh, it's That's amazing. Fantastic. It's fantastic. Beautiful. Why well the F was Corey Davis out there, the play after the foul? Matt, I know you were fired up about that. Why don't you uh, walk us through this? Any thoughts? I don't know. To me, this is one of my issues with Salah because he was like, oh, we're unlucky. Those things will go away. Those talking about like the, the Corey Davis. No, that's on you, man. That's because you run an undisciplined ship. You let him get away with this garbage. How many times with Corey Davis specifically do we have to watch him come up with the drop? He had a drop early. Was it a tough throw from Flacco? Yes, but that's two drops on third down from him. That would have been a first down now through three games. And he had drops issues last year. And he has a dumb pet. Like everyone in the world knows that Eli Apple stinks. So what he has to do is he resorts to trying to get in your head. And Corey Davis mm -hmm. let him get in his head. Stupid. Right. It's just dumb. Yeah. And I see and somebody, you know, uh, watch your case asking, what did Corey Davis do that e Eli Apple didn't do? He grabbed his face mask, I believe. Isn't that what it was? Like, yes. Corey Davis actually grabbed the face mask. Eli Apple didn't. And that's yes. the difference. MC Lean says, sauce playing zone, ridiculous rotations, empty set backfields with an all-out blitz. Salah is not calling plays. Multiple oaf, uh off the OTS. What's OTS? Other OTS passes. Outside the... I don't know. Multiple something passes to a five foot... Oh, 50-50 uh, balls. Is that what he's kind of talk, trying to get at? 
Uh, 5'9 wide receiver. We should destroy the Pats, though. Let's talk, guys. Um, yeah, look, I don't like Sauce playing zone. I think there is some opportunity to switch things up and maybe get some turnovers if your front four can create some pressure and then maybe all of a sudden, you know, Sauce can kind of ball hawk. But he's so good against... Uh, you know, the the top player on the other team's team. I don't want to see him not in man. Like, he's someone that should be on an island uh, along with Reed. I think they've done a good job. I think the where the breakdowns have happened have been in zone coverage, and it kind of opens everything else up, and guys just kind of, you know, wind up in the zone. Greenbean, I want to throw it to you. Uh, any thoughts on MC Lean's uh, comment here? Yeah, well, I, I, I look, I mean, I agree. This is what I was talking about before. Um you know, again, man, when you bring on players and just look at the at the cornerbacks since uh, McLean um, or MC Lean uh, mentioned them, uh, you know, you look at DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner. Uh, thankfully, they're one of the few people playing every defensive snap. So there's that. OK, but they have uh, the ability, just like Ryan was saying, to give the defense some some flexibility. And they're just kind of folding them into the overarching philosophy when it's like, like when you look at what Rex did with Arebus, and I'm not saying that Sauce or, or Reed is Rebus, but he used that. Like that gave him freedom to do other things over here that if that guy wasn't here, he couldn't do. We're not doing that. We're just saying, okay, well, this is a good player that's going to fit into our super-duper spectacular system that we love and will not bend from. <clears throat> and it's an interesting thing because you got the defensive line rotating all day. And then you got guys like LaMarcus Joyner who played literally every single snap. You know, so I don't understand all of this stuff. I, I mean, sincerely, I'm not being facetious. I don't understand. And when you flip that to the other side with his OTS passes, uh, 5'9 wide receiver, I could not agree more, man. Wide A wide receiver like Elijah Moore should be shredding the living hell out of them in the slot, in my opinion. Even if you're outside, let them cut toward the middle of the field and lose these bums and, and just surgically dismantle this defense. Why are you sending him streaking down the side? It's like, and they did it three times and it didn't work one time. So it's like that kind of stuff. Like that's where maybe Corey Davis, you know what I mean? 50-50 yes. ball, a Denzel Mims. Elijah Moore, dude, bring him inside. Bring your fucking tight ends away from the goddamn sidelines. Put him on the damn line with your shitty fucking offensive tackles, and let's play football. Let's go. Yes. Preach. <laughs> Amen. Well, what is let's this go. shit? It's, it, and it really is. It's maddening. It's frustrating. Because, look, I don't pretend to be a coach. I don't I – mean, really, I never say that. But come on, man. Really? This is what we're doing. We got Conklin and Elijah Moore on the outside. Connor McDermott's getting eaten alive. And we're just throwing up 50-50 balls down the sideline to a 5'9 guy who could lose any defensive back on that team work in the middle of the field. Without question. I don't get it. Flight right 49 says, what the hell happened to CBS on Sunday? Uh, you know when you... Uh have your computer and you get the little pinwheel and the hamster inside the machine starts getting tired and has to hop off the little the little wheel for a little bit. That's what happened to CBS and they basically lost the entire like last was it seven minutes of the game. <laughs> they're, they're talking from like the studio. They're like, oh yeah, uh, you know they're experiencing some technical difficulties. That was the first time I've ever seen that. That was a, a little goofy, uh, not being able to see like a few of the plays and like no replays. It was just like totally bare bones. 
um, sort of situation there. Uh, ooh, before I get to Matt real quick, I see Nat King with a 17-month super chat. He says, Gase has a better win record than Robert Sala. Um, yes, but a lot of those wins came towards the, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but there was a few that came towards the end of the year that were just fluff games. It's the Steelers and the third string quarterback and the backups against the Bills. Those are two wins that made no sense to me. Uh, I do think this team is better than what Gase had at this point, but I would have liked to have gone up against that year one Gase schedule with this roster right now. I think that yep. does play a little bit of a factor there. Uh, Matthew comes in and says, coming from a fan who stumbles into that goddamn AC unit of a stadium every Sunday, <laughs> it is unfortunate we have not gotten a close game at home. We have to start winning in our house. It was loud enough. Yeah, Matt, this is, this is frustrating. I want to get a win at home. You don't get one against the Ravens. You don't get one against the Bengals. And that was like the, the Nick Mangold retirement ring of honor frigging game. Come on. Yeah. Show some life here. Matt, any thoughts on this? Yeah, it's embarrassing the the effort that they've showed at home. They scored one touchdown at home and it was in the final minute in garbage time. That's it. That's that's all mm -hmm. that's all they've given Jeff fans to cheer about. Um I, I hate this is a pet peeve of mine when and I see it a lot like on, on Twitter or fans be like Oh, it's so embarrassing when the other team's fans comes in or like we got to like people, the fans need to go out to the stadium and support. The no, BS. One, it's a crappy stadium experience. Two, it's a pain in the ass to get to for a lot of people. And number three, the product that they give you, especially at home, more often than not, sucks. So why am I going to spend my Sunday, my hard earned money to go and do that every week? It, it doesn't right. make any sense until this team starts to change and they show that they're changing then people are going to show up and uh that's how it deserves to be i think yeah, i had a guy call me for season yeah. tickets like middle of preseason i was like hey statistically speaking we have a really good shot at being under 500 if you look at like our last few years not to mention our home record over the last few years i was like if i get season tickets now that means i'm paying like close to full freight for those tickets if i wait until we start bottoming out I can get a ticket for cheaper than the price of a beer in a stadium. No, thank you. I'm not getting season tickets. Get the hell right. out of here. Hell no. Yeah, I know, man. You know, Fireman Ed uh, on Instagram today, you know, uh, who, you know, I don't care what anybody thinks. I love Fireman Ed. And he, and, and he said, you know, you asked, you know, like last week, the Jets were making videos about don't, don't forget to buy your tickets. I guess they weren't selling enough mm -hmm. tickets. And and so the players and coaches were actually out there saying, come on and be loud and proud with us. And and Woody was like, fucking go and sell me some tickets, right? So uh, <laughs> so people went, and, and I heard it was loud too. I see some people in the chat saying it was loud. Fireman Ed said it was loud. And he said, look, coach, you asked for a home field advantage. We gave you a home field. And then they drive down and score. And our and we can't do anything yet again. What do you want from us? Like, what do you want from us? It costs hundreds of dollars and hours and stress and traffic to get out and the whole thing. And then you don't even compete. And it's like, I don't blame anybody. I mean, I don't live there, so I have that woven in excuse. But guys, if I was there, I can't tell you I would go because this is... It's 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 crazy anymore, and I do care about home field. I I hate seeing other teams' fans there. Let me tell you what's worse than seeing other teams' fans there on the TV is being in the stadium with other teams' fans mocking you 
and you can't even look at them. Like that is 10 times worse. So why would I pay $180 plus, you know, $15 for a friggin' pretzel to experience that? Why? No, completely agree. J-Boy says, upside to all of them passes, we got a wide receiver ready for Zach. Uh, or we got the wide receivers ready for Zach. Yeah, I mean, look, hey, Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore are no joke. These guys are going to be legit number one wide receivers in this league. Now, hopefully, Zach comes back and he's able to, to hit these guys in stride because we know we saw uh, Garrett Wilson kind of mention a little bit earlier this season about the the zip going on the ball. Matt, I know you have to get out of here. Uh, anything you wanted to rant about before we uh, close out? Let's Thank go. Here. Thank you for teaming up. We did a lot of it so far, but there's one thing that I keep seeing on Twitter, and I've, I get it in my comments. I get it in my mentions. People saying, let's bring back Rex to be the defensive coordinator. Oh, oh God. That, I, that dude. makes me want to swan. <laughs> I've seen it in the chat. <laughs> I want to swan so dive scary. out my bedroom window right this second. Anytime I see it. <laughs> The NFL passed him by a decade ago. Let's not live in 2009, 2010 anymore. I love him for those two years. He was so much fun, but he's been out of the NFL for seven years now. Like, no, let him be on TV. Let him shoot his mouth off. I, I, it's over. It is done. That's it. That's it. I love it. Matt, any last words for our panel? I love you guys. Hopefully uh, I get to stay for the full time uh, next week. Wish me luck going to JFK right now. And uh, yeah, hopefully the Jets win. Love it, dude. Thank you so yeah. much for coming on. We will see you next week. All right. See you guys. Green Bean. See you, Matt. What is yeah. up? All right. What's here we go. Look Kevin at us. C. Look, Look at, at us go. See? Some handsome looking dudes over here. Uh, Kevin C says, give me back May any day over Joiner and Whitehead. Um yeah i look i like may i don't like where that relationship wound up going i don't like that he lied to the jets and all that good stuff so i i'm kind of yeah. i don't want to say i'm like over on may but i'm i'm kind of fine with whitehead if he could just wrap up joiner he sucks he's got to get out of here yeah no, uh, no qualms there yeah yeah and let's not forget you know kevin i i hear you and as far as on the field may was may was good man you know i would never i don't think i'd call him great but he was a very very good football player the truth is, he was driving drunk, hit somebody, uh, threw up all over himself, passed out on the side of the road, lied about it, uh, threw our team and our general manager under the bus for a few weeks, knowing that that was going on, uh, went down to wherever the hell he is, the Saints now, and he's, and he's in trouble for beating up a girl. So, I mean, mm -hmm. this is what you, I don't know. I don't give two shits if he can, you know, play football. I mean, I don't want those kind of garbage people around, man. So that's just me. I mean, and I liked Marcus May. I did. I, I I was excited, even though I would have never done it with first round Jamal and second round Marcus May. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. But I was really excited about the talent that those guys had together. And it never really did anything for us, obviously. But I was excited about it. And Marcus May seemed like a he seemed like a good you know, mild-mannered team guy, and uh, but it turns out he wasn't that, and uh, he's a little bit of a jerk off, and uh, and he can he can he can uh, take his bag, and go play somewhere else. You know, we'll figure it out. Three games for Jordan Whitehead. I think I'm not so worried about Jordan Whitehead. I'm not I'm not excited about. It. He's had his good plays too, but I think he'll settle in. Like like you said, Lamarcus Joyner. I don't know why he's even out there, man. I mean, it's three games. He's been burned for touchdowns. He's late, you know, helmet to helmet hits, penalties. Uh, you know, it's it's like it's just on it. He's just lost. 
He's all over the place. He's lost. And even just athletically, he can't keep up. Like, he's just not there. And look, you can credit Salah and Ulbricht, like, not giving up on somebody early. Yeah, I, I get it. There's value to that. But how about this? When he's a detriment to the rest of the team, can we just pluck him? Work on him on the practice squad. Get him, get him up to snuff over there. Get him up to snuff, you know, working with the twos in practice. Can we get Will Parks or Ashton Davis or any of these guys? Just let's just see if there's an uptick. If there's 5% increase in potential, like let's do something because LaMarcus Joyner, who's playing every defensive snap while we're plucking Quinn and Williams and Carl Lawson and Michael Clemens off the damn field and we're not even activating Bryce Huff, I think it's I think it's absurd and I don't understand it, man. So Jordan Whitehead, I think is going to, at least I hope, I think he's going to be fine. He's, dude, he's been a good player in this league, so I'm not worried. Barney comes in and says both schemes, offense and defense, too complicated for the young guys. Um, offense, I don't think is too complicated. I think it's just, you know, fourth string tackle <laughs> and backup quarterback. I think that's really what you're kind of running into. Um, and then self-inflicted wounds. You're watching, you know, holding penalties, uh, false starts, you know, guys run offensive linemen being too far down the field, like all that sort of bullshit. Uh, on the defensive side, I completely agree. It's too complicated. I think you should let your best players be on the field, let them go after the quarterback. And then on the, you know, in terms of the secondary, man up. You got talent. I I trust Reed and I trust Sauce to go against their two players. And I trust them to win more often than not. And then you allow your safeties to play some cover too. Let them be the ball hawks back there. Uh, if you yeah. have to agree, mean this uh, offense defense too complicated for the young guys. Yeah, well, I, I think so, Ryan. And I think you're nailing it with the defense, but I have to disagree with you. I think the offense is as well. I mean, LaFleur is famous. He has over a thousand plays in his playbook. It's like this thick. It looks like, you know, uh, the, you know, you walk, you, you take a trip to Israel and you walk into an ancient <laughs> monastery and there's like the Torah. That's Mike LaFleur's playbook. This fucking thick home and then and what we learned this year in the offseason is that Mike LaFleur doesn't believe in incrementally giving people the playbook he gives them the whole thing your job is to ingest it and learn it and he can call any play at any time and that's why we're seeing people look completely confused and lost like in my opinion and we were talking about this last year with the offensive line and Zach it's like the guys look confused why do they look so confused because he's giving them a thousand plays and he's picking play 844 and they're still figuring out play 213 and that's the whole thing. And and in my opinion, they should probably develop a foundation of what they're all really good at. And let's do that and then add from there. And I think that would be a lot better. Um, I think everything's a little bit too, too complex, unnecessarily complex. And I think very similar to how I felt about Brian Schottenheimer when he was here. I think that he's outsmarting himself. I think that's what they're doing. They're overthinking this when it's the, it's just football, guys. It's just football. You're big guys. You're fast guys. You know where to put them. You're quick guys. He goes over there. Let him do this. That guy, he's big and fat. He's supposed to be here. That's what you do. Every now and then you can switch it up. It's like last year when we had, uh, what was it, a JFM or uh, whoever was, was covering. Oh, on the tight Kyle end? Pitts. On Hurst and Pitts. And <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, good. Yeah. Kyle Pitts isn't going to burn JFM. <laughs> yeah ridiculous and and uh, then and Ulbrich was like it worked it worked one other week it's like yeah because they didn't see it that's all hey, you fucking idiot 
Francois Lim Sang. Thank you for the $1 super chat. Uh, I don't see anything attached to it, so we will uh, move on. Pooch Guy says, please talk me off a ledge. Three different coaches, same lame duck results. I truly can't, won't take another gut job. I don't think we need to have another gut job, but I think there needs to be a serious talk with the coaching staff and like, hey, what are we doing wrong? Because the talent is there. We're looking at other teams that have talent similar to us, or at least, you know, within reason, within a certain standard deviation of us, we should be winning games. That Baltimore game, we should have been able to win. Uh, to win. This last game should have at least been competitive. Now, if we come out flat against the Steelers, there's going to be some real serious issues because they don't even have TJ Watt. The Jets should be able to win this game against Mitch Trubisky, whether it's Zach Wilson or Joe Flacco. Green Bean, can we talk Pooch Guy off a ledge? Uh, well, three different coaches, same lame duck result. I truly want to. I, uh, I mean, look, dude. <laughs> um, how about this? How about you tell me what ledge you're sitting on? And I'll come hang out with you and we can discuss it and whether or not. I'll catch you. I'll stand at the bottom. I'll say, do a flip. (laughs) Mother trucker. Yeah, right. Right. Make it worth it. Do a swan dive. Belly flop. (laughs) Make it worth it. We'll be right there with you. Yeah. David Garrard. Yeah. Who knows, Ryan? I mean, what, what is it? Right. It does look the same, whether it's Todd Bowles, Adam Gase. I'll tell you what I wish here. Here's what I wish. I wish Greg Williams was still our defensive coordinator. That's what I wish. Yeah. I love Him, that. and I wish we had John John Morton as OC right now. I feel like that would be a winning formula. Oh, hello, Green Bean. Hey, man. How you been, Dieter? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I have a bone to pick with Optimum and their shitty friggin' internet service. Um, so I think... Oh, geez. I'm hearing it in my, my head now. Okay. Let's give it a second to get some people back into the stream as uh, as I try to get my bearings about me. Friggin' internet. Annoying. How are you doing over there, Green Bean? David Gerard dropped in. He said, MLF slash Flacco deep shots. Michael Floor, Flacco deep shots. On fourth and short twice. Nice. How you feeling about that, Green Bean? Hold on. Let me see what he said here. He said, Flacco deep shots on... Oh, my God. With an empty backfield, David. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, we need three feet. Like, this is... I I like to bring things back, like, to reality. We say, oh, it's a yard. A yard is three feet. And actually, it was a short yard. So, we're talking about two feet. What's a better way to approach get needing to get two feet like a quick little play like maybe a running back maybe a quarterback sneak maybe a quick slant two steps boom boom done two feet that is this far that's this 24 inches that's what we're looking at so what LaFleur does is he sends five wide including tight ends everybody's on the line and he has a long seven step drop play you know how much has to go right for that to work? And then he throws it. It doesn't, you know, Flacco's been missing people all day and he missed it and it's over. It's like, I mean, I don't know. I, it's a, to me, it seems ridiculous. And sure, third down and fourth down, we did that. So I don't know. This is what I mean when I say, out, you know, out, like uh, overthinking it, outthinking himself. 
that's it's the same thing. Brian Schottenheimer was he did that for us numerous times at the wrong time. And Lafleur, who I don't hate, by the way, I just think he again. Um, He's out thinking himself, and that was totally stupid. There was no reason to do that. No reason. All right. I've got some of the Super Chats from the previous stream up, but I can't pull them up because I had to reboot the stream, so uh, bear with me here. Uh, Edward Ziff says, who is defensive coordinator next year? (sighs) I don't know if it's going to be Ulbrich. He's going to have to turn it around real quick to make that work. Uh Big Dog says the offense makes the defense look worse. The scores look different in every game if we score the ball and don't put the defense in bad spots. Yeah, I completely agree. And, I, you know, I think there's something to be said for playing, uh, you know, from behind. So you're not going to be able to pin your ears back because other teams are going to run on you more. Now, that wasn't the case this past week. They passed plenty on us. But I do think the offense has made the defense look worse because we are not scoring touchdowns. Green Bean, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, think about this, dude. Think about if we just scored touchdowns instead of field goals, we win. That's it. It was 28. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. It's like, dude, when your defense, who who struggled in the first half, let's, let's not take that away, right? But they came out in the second half and they clamped down. Guys like C.J. Mosley and Quinnen Williams and Quincy Williams and Sheldon Rankins, who I'm not the biggest fan of, but he had one of his best games as a Jet. He had seven tackles, a sack, three tackles for a loss. He was all over the place. So when you look at that, and then they're they're getting off the field, and the offense comes on, and there's a strip sack. And then, you know, the offense comes on, and it's up and three, down and three. And then they, you know, it's like, it puts the defense in that much worse of a position and it makes it that much harder because they're on the field all damn day. And then let's not forget about momentum. I mean, they know when they give the ball back, when they, you know, when they end the drive, they know they're going to be back on the field in three minutes. So it's like, what's the big deal? There is no more energy. It sucks the life out of the team. And I think a lot of that had to do with Flacco. It really did. He was off. He was flat out missing people that were open. But in addition to that, man, LaFleur didn't do anything to help in real time, what the problems were, what we were seeing on the field, namely Connor McDermott was a big one. He did very little to help him uh, during the game. And, uh, you know, and, and again, you know, obviously we were talking about, you know, the third and and fourth for, and short. It's like, what? I, I don't understand. Like, we're not helping. He's not helping the team. He's making it harder. And therefore, we're putting the defense in a very bad position. And what do we expect? You know, what do we expect? And that's not taking him off the chopping you know that's not taking them off the fire ryan but it's still mm-hmm. it's it's you know we're not helping them matt zizzleman comes in and says how about a positive for a change avt is playing at an all pro level avt is absolutely our best offensive lineman right now and i'm very happy that joe douglas uh made the trade up to get him because you know where would we where would we even be without him <laughs> we'd be in a world of hurt uh mc lean uh, comes back. I was a little confused with his OTS comment before. He means over the shoulder. That's what that means. Oh, somebody said outside the sticks. I'm like, I don't know. I've never heard that one. Yeah, that's a, that's you know, a outside one. over the shoulder. All right. You know what? I'm sorry. I, I didn't really make fun, but I kind of, you know, I was like, whatever. That, that's good. I didn't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was I was confused. Not going to lie. Uh, Dax <laughs> <Right>. Milne's mom. <laughs> 
<laughs> drops in. Uh, Dax Milne is the, you know, yes, Zach Wilson's know. girlfriend's new boyfriend. So Zach out with right. his mom, maybe. Uh, drops in, says, who is active for Sunday first, Mims or Huff? It better be Huff. It really, really needs to be Huff. Um, what do you think, Mims or Huff? Um, probably Huff. I mean, it's it's pretty clear to me that this coaching staff just has a has a hard on for Mims. You know what I mean? In the in the wrong way. You know what I mean? Like they just don't like him. I mean, like you look at guys like Lamarcus Joyner or like Corey Davis or like John Franklin Myers or all these guys. They're they're, they're Ty Johnson. They're making way more mistakes, much more costly mistakes than Denzel Mims ever did. And Denzel Mims is on the sideline and can't get into the damn game. And uh, so I don't know what it is. So, I mean, I'm just at a point where I've kind of accepted, like, it's this staff. Like, here, here's what I want to say to people. Do we agree with all of their personnel decisions? We're talking about the rotation. We don't like that. We're talking about the, the lack of assistance with the protections when you have certain weaknesses that present themselves in, during the game. We don't like that. Did we like the fact that they kept Ty Johnson over Tevin Coleman? No, we didn't like that. Ashton Davis, you know, all the things that we've seen. There are so many instances where we don't really agree with their personnel decisions. They don't make sense. So why is it that we accept that what they're doing with Denzel Mims and Bryce Huff, for that matter, does make sense? Why are we okay with that? You know what I mean? In my opinion, it falls right in line. And to answer your question, I think it'll probably be Bryce Huff, but I don't know if either one's going to make it in there too soon, Brian. 100%. Uh, Brian Lemos drops in, says, what do you guys think about Zach sitting, even if he's healthy? I think if he's cleared, he's got to go. I'm sorry, but it's swim or drown. No more excuses. If he's not the guy, let's rip the Band-Aid. It's time. Oh, man, if we had to give up on our number two overall pick after just two years, I'd be really frustrated. But I do think he should play. Um, now, playing thrown in i don't know if he's going to play if he practices the full week if he practices the full week and he's ready to go and he like knows who his offensive linemen are and they're going to give him help on that side like i just don't want to see this dude get teed off on because zach if i have to see him through let's see let's say he misses this week and so he's missed four weeks you have 13 games to grade him are you going to say oh well if i had 14 games i could have graded him well um i think if he's healthy and he's ready in practice, and he's comfortable, put him out there. But if you think there's a chance that Brown can start, you know, maybe against the Dolphins, then maybe you hold him out the one extra week, uh, and you do that, and you get Brown back. But I don't know. What do you think? If if Zach's healthy, is he going, Green Bean? Yeah, but I'm going to tell you right now, you know, uh, it's it's really interesting. I mean, they they alluded to the fact that it's not the Jets holding him out. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not the Jets. It's the, it's his doctors. So if his team is saying we don't want him to go in the, the offensive line and they're starting to think that way, like mm -hmm. self-preservation, then we have huge problems. I, I hope that's not the case. I'm not convinced he's playing this week. That all said, if he's healthy, he plays. And it's the offensive coach's job to figure out a way to account for the weaknesses that we have, uh, namely left tackle. You, you account for it. If you have to keep two tight ends in, you have to play 12 and 22 personnel all day long because you have to protect the quarterback, so be it. Let them chip and peel off into the flat. Let the running backs – you can do so much in that offense. Just do it if that's what you have to do. 
Um, it's the coach's job to protect Zach and not leave, uh, you know, Connor McDermott on an island against Alex Highsmith. He's going to get destroyed if that's what happens. Um, so I think if Zach is ready, he plays, man. It's just that simple. Yeah. I- I said it when uh, when the whole thing came out of like, oh, Zach's not Zach should be out at least till week four. Um, I said it then, and I think it's more reinforced now. And it's someone got in the coach's ear. I think Zach probably said, oh yeah, no, I'll be ready to go. And then the coaches were like, you know, okay, yeah, he's gonna be ready to go. They said it, you know, out in public, like, oh, he might be ready for week one. And then it sounds like an agent or a doctor came in and said, hey, well, Zach, remember, if you lose an ACL. And now they don't know what's going on with you. Like that could not end your career, but it could be a very serious, serious situation. And I think it's, hey, let's protect them. And this is exactly what we don't want to have happen. This was what we were afraid of. Like, hey, if you're not going to protect me the way you didn't protect Sam Darnold and the way Geno Smith was not protected and the way, uh, you know, Sanchez eventually was not protected. Like to me, I... (laughs) I, I don't blame Zach because it's his career, his livelihood that he's rolling the dice on with with the Jets here. I mean, this is a bad look for the Jets if it's if it it's really Zach's doctors holding him out. Yep, you're a hundred percent right, Ryan. Now, look, we don't want to jump all the way to that conclusion that that's what they're doing, but it's it's very possible, man. They're looking at this scenario and they're saying, okay, he hasn't played in six weeks. Okay, mm-hmm. he played two drives two series of the entire preseason and first quarter of the season the offensive line is down to its third string tackle and a rookie and the interior is not necessarily Lakin Tomlinson is not playing well he's a kind of a question mark each week you don't know what version you're going to get and they're saying and we're going to go against Pittsburgh we're going to put him in against Pittsburgh and Miami how about this no fix the line get everything in order and then we'll clear our our asset to come in and that is a huge problem if that's what's going on and that could be the the great eroding like the beginning of the degradation of this whole team unity thing if that's going on Brian it's big nose kills drops in says I'm not excited because Zach is mobile I'm excited because he can run and throw on the same day when Flacco runs 10 degree uh, 10 degree cone he can pass to i'm not sure what that means 10 degree cone he can pass to. i don't know no skills i love you don't understand it um joe s says the problem with salah is he plays favoritism uh Greenbean, do you feel that salah is playing favoritism right now uh with his players i feel like all coaches kind of get like in that trap we saw rex get stuck in that way do you think yeah. salah's stuck there i do I think that he is some for some reason his crew is like Ty Johnson, Nathan Shepard, Lamarcus Joyner, uh, maybe Solomon Thomas, um, Quincy Williams. Like I think there there are guys out there that are getting more Corey Davis. They're getting significantly more benefit of the doubt than, in my opinion, is warranted. Like, why are we taking a let, let, let me tell you something. Luke Grant did a short breakdown on Quinn and Williams and what he was actually doing all day. Dude, he was 
disrupting that pocket on almost every single play that he was in. Uh, he's the best player, at least in the interior of our defensive line, arguably on the entire defensive line. Why are we taking him out for 30% of the game? It's actually 33% of the game, I think it was, 67%. We're taking Quinnen Williams out for 33% of the game for the likes of Nathan Shepard. Why? Why? And that's the big question. I think there absolutely is favoritism. Stifler's mom comes in and says, felt like they chose Flacco over our run game. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And they lose their defensive tackle yeah. halfway through the game. This guy's like a monster run stuffer. Yep. Run it down their friggin' throat. Run, run it, it behind AV2. 100%. Said we said the same thing, Ryan. Come on, attack mm -hmm. it. Like, did yeah. you see what the Cleveland Browns did when the, the fact that we had Max Mitchell over there who struggled week one, dude, they put Clowney and Garrett over top of him. Mm -hmm. They said, kill him, you know, blood in the water, shred him. And he did a good job. Him and ABT did a damn good job handling that. That's the truth of it. But they went for it. They, they went after the wound. We don't do that because we stick to our plan. Like there's mm -hmm. very little real time, like, oh, there's an opportunity. Attack it. We don't do that. Remember last year with Stefan Diggs when we put ja Javelin Gidry in? We put Javelin Gidry in on the outside, which was a stupid move from the word go. They sent Stefan Diggs in the end zone. He caught it out of bounds. We kept the same alignment. They ran the same play. He caught it in the end zone that time for a touch. Two of the exact same play on Javelin Gidry. Why? Because that was the weak spot, and Buffalo mm -hmm. knows to do that, and we don't. It's crazy. Stiff. Stifler's mom comes in, says, felt like, oh, nope, said that already, sorry. Chris Bradigan says, O-line or D-line, which one sucks more? Uh, it's got to, uh, God, it's got to be yeah. the O-line for me, I think. Yeah. Uh, Greenby, what about you? O-line, man. I think the defensive line, I mean, are they what we wanted them to be and what we thought? Absolutely not. But if you if you take and rewatch the game and just focus on the defensive line, you'll see numerous plays where they are pressuring the living shit. Like if it's Quinn and Williams or Carl Lawson or Michael Clemens, Jermaine Johnson's playing really well too. Um, you know, if you watch it, they're they're doing a lot. It's the problem is is the rotation and the, and like like so Jermaine Johnson's pressuring and then Nathan Shepard and Solomon Thomas can't do anything to a system. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of what's going on. We're not putting it together, but I think that the defensive line is significantly better than the offensive line right now. And that's mainly due to injuries. I mean, I think we had a very talented offensive line. It really sucks. hundred percent. Edward Ziff says you can't get coverage sacks playing soft zone. Completely agree. Man up and send our four dogs with their ears pinned back. Um, Greg, says, I'm not sure anybody wants Salah to succeed more than me. You can see losing really hurts him. But he needs to put friendship and loyalty to veterans to the side and start coaching. Uh, yeah, I think he needs to start holding guys accountable. I think that, uh, you know, Matt was right earlier in this stream when he was saying that there is no accountability on that side of the ball. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's look, man, you know, and you know, like Greg is is saying here, uh, you know, I think we all want Sala to succeed. And like Ryan said earlier, and and I seconded, I'm definitely not at the place where I want to see Sala fired. I want to see this corrected. And I think that, you know, what Robert Sala has to realize right now is that stoic kind of 
quiet, sitting on the sideline, doing nothing during the game. The only thing he does is he yells at the refs or he jumps up and down when we do something good. I mean, other than that, he's really not involved. And you could say that we don't know what he's doing, but he doesn't even speak. So, like, who's he talking to? He might be listening to the calls and everything, but he's not actively involved. He's allowing everything just to be what it is. And I think that he needs to learn right now that if something's happening in real time, he needs to step in and say, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, didn't you notice this? Let's. Why aren't we doing that? He's Mm got to do that. He's the boss. And I think that my hope is that he's realizing right now, holy shit, man, I'm in trouble here. I need to re- I need to rise up and fix this, and I hope that he can. I, I don't want to fire. I don't want to start over, man. I want this staff to be the damn staff. We just have to fix it. Brian Bogan says 22 goals. Zach Wilson does well and do better than New England. Yeah, I mean that's that's all I'm hoping for at this point. Like I'm not I'm not really looking for 500 anymore. <laughs> Just I mean I, I should be looking for 500 because if you're telling me we're one and two through three games. You know, back in spring, I'd be saying, okay, you know, that's that, that's pretty decent. That's where I expect us to be. If we could be two and two after the Steeler game, I think that's where we're at. But we are literally one chub falling down on the one yard line away from being 0-3 right now. I think that's where the frustrating part comes in for me, Greenbean. Yeah, you know what? And you're right. You're right. But at the same time, a game is a game. And let's not forget that we were 14-14 at the half. And we were able to drive down down their throats at will. I mean, when the strip sack happened, we were on the 10-yard line. I mean, we played offensively. We, we played a damn good game. And that's what put us in the position when there was an opportunity to take advantage of it. And we still had to score those 13 points in the last minute and 55 seconds. So, yes, you're, you're not wrong. At the same time, I choose to believe like that is what's possible with this team. When they believe and when they're firing on all cylinders, that's what we can do. We have Garrett Wilson. We have Elijah Moore. We have Brees Hall and Michael Carter. We have Tyler Conklin and Jeremy Ruckert and C.J. Uzoma. And our offensive line like AVT and Conklin and McGovern and even Max Mitchell, they can play well. And if they do, if we assist them by smart plays, high percentage, quick stuff, give them the first down. Why are you throwing a a 25-yard pass in the end zone when you need two and a half feet? Get the two feet. Give them that. Let them roll down the field. Let them build their confidence. And I think that's where the coaching comes in again. Truth is, man, look. We can beat the Steelers. We can. If we if we whittle it down, simplify it so we can use one of these new tackles that we brought in this week, just simplify it in such a way that they their assignment is almost is always the same. You know what I mean? Just take care of that. And we can beat them. If we come out of this quarter of the season two and two, as even though we have all these issues, they're not going, they, you know, they're not gone. Dude, what an accomplishment that would be. Amazing. Dak Milne's mom says, Green Bean, put those guns away. You're scaring the kids. <laughs> yeah, oh, when I had my sleeve. Yeah, that's right, bro. Come on. Boom. I crush a dude. I used Want to crush cans. Show. <laughs> that's right. I'm old now. But I used to be strong, Ryan. You don't know, buddy. I was I was dude, strong. You still look strong. Take... Yeah, I, that, you got that. You. you got you got dad strength right now. Yeah. I got, yeah, I have, I have, you know, that song by, I don't know. Look, I'm not the biggest country fan, especially new country. I love old country, but there's a guy, Toby Keith. And he said, he had that song. I'm not as good. I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. That's me. 
You know what I mean? I'm not as good as I once was, but I could that little bit. If you want, I could I could roll around a little bit. Got, got a puncher's chance, right? Right, exactly. A puncher's chance. Thank you, Dax Milne's mom. Boogie Down Bronx says Vic Fangio for DC. Oh, man. Man. I don't know. Uh, Nicholas George the King says, here's $2 for your shitty Wi-Fi. <laughs> Just playing. Love you guys. Dude, <laughs> I legitimately have Optimum coming out tomorrow because I am spitting nails at these people. Like, I... I got 500 download. I got 40 upload. Like, this should not be happening. My internet's been dropping every single day, multiple times a day where I have to unplug my modem. And I'm about to go back to, you know, DSL. Like, that's what <laughs> that's what I'm going to go back to because it was stable. I'll take 75 down, 10 up if it means I have a stable stream the entire time or a stable internet the entire time. I'm done with these clowns. I really am. God, I like, yeah. I get fired up at these mother well you want to know what happened so ryan let, let me mm -hmm. tell you so i try to get my podcast out you know i have patreon mm -hmm. the bean beggars so i like to give the tier two and three and a day early release of the podcast so i woke up at 8 a.m after being up to three in the morning i wake up i record the podcast so i'm from 8 a.m all the way till two i'm recording and editing and then mm -hmm. i start uploading from two o'clock until 8.58, it took me Ugh. to upload the damn video to two o'clock. It was actually like 2.30, 2.30 to eight, nine o'clock. It took, I just finally finished. And get to, that's because I was, I was try I was moving around. I couldn't get internet anywhere. It was like being in the damn RV. So I, I was so frustrated today, man. And I wanted to die. I was like, I can't believe I've been doing this for 12 hours to get a goddamn video out. That's brutal. You know what I mean? Dude, I wish brutal. I had Fios by me. Like I'm I'm up in the sticks and like I'm just lucky I got internet. Like I'm not even like that far away. And like the old internet I don't know. I'm just going to go back to DSL. I have been spitting nails so much. If they can't fix it tomorrow, I'm I'm done with this shit. Where you go to uh, AT&T then? Is that what you do? No, there's a it's like a local DSL um near here that like we had when i was like young young like they're, they're like they cap it out but it's like 30 bucks a month 30 bucks a month for 75 down 10 up and it's super steady which is like i think i'm paying 65 a month right now for you know good internet but like the speed is only good if it's working like <laughs> the internet doesn't work and the speed doesn't do me any fucking good i don't know pump up the champ yeah. says why can't we make the obvious second half adjustments other teams Make a slant play for 12 yards look smooth. We make it look like we just, uh, we make it look, we make it look like it might be picked. Yeah, I mean, it feels like this is multiple coaching staffs now. You're, you're going back to like Rex Ryan times. Like we have not had second half adjustments, I feel like, since Mangini. It has been a long time coming. Yeah. Well, no, you know what? I, 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 while I agree with that overall, Greg Williams was good. Don't, don't forget. Mm. He had this defense, a top five defense with a third of the talent that Salah has right now. You mm. know what I mean? Like, look, Greg Williams is a live by the sword, die by the sword kind of guy. And that's kind of not really the NFL anymore. You know, the end, just like you said about Rex, the NFL is passing these old heads by. And I, and I agree with that at the same time. Greg Williams, he he wouldn't accept this. Like he would get the and if somebody remember he benched Tremaine Johnson week one. He's like, dude, get it playing like that. Sit down. I don't care if you cost fifteen million dollars. Get off my field. And that's the kind of things that I think we're missing right now. Uh, so Greg Williams was a little bit of a hiatus from that. But you're right. Since really, Mangini, 
Yeah, I mean, dude, Rex did it sometimes. I don't yeah. know. It's it's been yeah. You know what I mean? He he's stuck to his guns too. But the thing is with Rex's defenses is a lot of times he knew exactly what to do to beat somebody. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. he got he had his clam games too. He had games where it looked like his defense was the worst in the league. But overall, Rex was especially those first three years. Rex's defenses were mean, man. They were aggressive mm -hmm. and they were they were dialed in most of the time. They were fun. Kevin C says, maybe this was meant to be. Team looks lost. Salah's drowning. No better time for Zach to enter and save the team. It is his chance. He can be the hero. This is such bullshit. Like, I hate that we have to make Zach the hero. When we drafted him on draft night, this team's going to lift you up. It's not going to be the other way around. Right. Zach Wilson is going to be the only reason this team has success this year. Not the only reason, but like, we need him to be good for this team to have success. Yeah, you're so right, man. That's a, that's such a great point. Like, think about it. We said, you're not coming here to lift us to save this franchise. We're going to lift you up. What are we all saying right now? Zach's going to save it. Zach's going to be the difference maker. It's crazy. I mean, I wonder if LaFleur's going to make him throw 60 times a game. I, I don't know. Oof. I mean, it's crazy, man. Got to run the it's rock. Crazy. I thought we were going to run the rock and use the tight ends. We haven't used either of them. Dude, I know, dude. What happened? It's like we abandoned it, dude. We abandoned it. We have to stay. Dude, there's nothing more beneficial than a ball control offense. Sure, every now and then getting that exciting deep strike. Yes, you need to factor those in. Absolutely. There's nothing more demoralizing to a defense when you can get four to eight yards a clip running and tight ending them, just punching them in the face, 10-minute drives. You know what I mean? The mm -hmm. defense comes in all yeah. fresh and fired up, and then you come back and you just Brees Hall, Michael Carter, Tyler Conklin, Jeremy Rucker, touchdown. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's what you do. And it's like we just keep throwing the ball down the field. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. It's seven-step drops. Our offensive line is struggling. Three-step drops, please. Slow the defense down. Settle them down. Make them pay for being aggressive. And then when they back up, then you got the running game again. It's, I mean, again, I'm not a coach, but this is simple shit. In my opinion, the overall anyway, right? I think yeah. so. Right. Harry W. dropping in says, stay safe to all our Floridian Jet fans and their families right. as we get ready for Hurricane Ian. Yes, my family's down there in the Sarasota, you know, just south of Tampa area. It seems like it's going to go a little bit south, I think, is what it's looking like. Hopefully, everyone's going to be all right down there. I know my brother and dad are uh, battening down the hatches. They're, they're shutting all the, the storm, you know, shades yeah. or whatever the heck they got down there. So hopefully, you guys stay safe as well. Right. You too, uh, Harry. You, you yeah. too, Harry's down there. Harry, you be safe too. You know, Ryan, that, that's one of the main reasons I left. The last time with Irma, mm -hmm. when I had to pack, you know, I told you, I, we didn't have power mm -hmm. for like almost two weeks and I had 115 drug addicts in early mm -hmm. recovery. I was like, I, I literally said like, when this is all over, I'm leaving. I'm out. Mm -hmm. um, I can't do this anymore. So I really feel for you guys. I hope everybody's safe. I hope your property and your homes uh, stay safe as well. This shit, this shit can be scary, man. Uh, Lima Bean says JD waited too long to sign a new backup left tackle. No, he didn't. 
He didn't at all, because you have Dwayne Brown, who was brought in during the green and white scrimmage. So we knew we were going to be bringing this dude in. I had an argument with this on one of the guys in the forums. Uh, all Joe Douglas did this past offseason was bring in two pro bowlers from last year and draft the best tackle currently playing, or at least the tackle that's better than the top three guys that were drafted in this draft. And right. like dudes got hurt. Like, I don't know what you can expect from Joe Douglas at this point. He drafted Elijah Vera Tucker. The dude's an all pro Connor McGovern's been playing top 10 center play. And like Tomlinson is a shell of his former self. I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't yeah. make sense to me. That's a tough one to swallow. And I think, I mean, look, you know, I can't help, but think he's going to get it. Like, I mean, it just might be, he needs a, he needs a few weeks to kind of settle into this. I mean, I don't know. I hope, you know, but, but, but you're right. It's like, look, Here's where I have a problem with Joe Douglas. And I, I want to make sure that I'm not, I'm not like making excuses. Like I try to stay in reality as best I can, right? The truth is I was totally fine with not taking a first round tackle. Most of you guys know mm -hmm. that. The reason being we had George Fant and Mackay Becton on the roster and we had legitimate holes, edge rusher and elsewhere, right? So that's fine. Once Becton went down, that's when the really aggressive push for, for more tackles should have come in. Now, he did sign Dwayne Brown, just like you said, and he gets hurt in his first week here. The guy's never hurt. So that's one of the things. It's hard to foresee that, right? So now we're down two. Then George Fant, who was kind of nursing an injury, he goes down. Thank goodness Joe Douglas picked a good one in Max Mitchell in the fourth round, and he's playing well. If not... We'd be in big trouble. But the fact that he let Chuma Idoga go, when I add a Connor McDermott or Chuma Idoga, I take Idoga. He's got way more NFL mm -hmm. experience. I don't love Chuma Idoga, but I'd feel better with him in there than Connor McDermott. But so that's where I have the problem. It's like, like uh, Mike Remmers, he should have been brought in two weeks ago, in my opinion. You know, that's the thing. I feel like there was a hesitancy. And it's not the draft. It's not the offseason. I think we did a good job, uh, you know, fortifying the position. But I feel like these last few weeks, months, I feel like Joe Douglas dragged his ass a little bit, and that's what we're seeing, and now we're in panic mode. Mike B. Hi-Ho Jets fan says, Flacco played like he could care less. He played like a hostage and had no choice but to play. He was simply launching the ball with no... One, even in the vicinity to catch the ball. Thanks, guys. Go Jets. I think the one play to me that stuck out like a sore thumb was the first interception when he lobbed the ball up to Berrios, covered by three dudes. I'm looking like, I, like one, why is Berrios going after a jump ball in the middle of the field? And two, what are you looking at that like makes you think you can thread the needle between three dudes anyway? Like that, to me... Flacco looks disinterested. It looks like a guy who's here. He's like, hey, man, I, I was here to be the veteran leader. I shouldn't be on the field. Like Mike White to me feels like the guy that wants to try and like prove something. Like if Zach's like concerned about his health, put Mike White out there. I don't like I want to see someone who wants to win. And I feel like White is the guy. Screw it. Streveler. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say or, or Streveler, right? Somebody. I mean, look, I. I do understand what they're doing with that. You know, I do understand why Flacco is the second quarterback and why they put, I do get it. I mean, and you see it at times he still has his arm and at times he can be accurate. Um, but in the set, I mean, when the halftime came in the last mm -hmm. game, you could see it all over the place. Joe Flacco is mm -hmm. toast. 
at least mm-hmm. in this game, get Mike White in. Just give the give the give the team a spark. Give him something. And last year, it just so happens we're playing the team that he had a Hall of Fame game against last year. Maybe he just has their number. Try it. Mm-hmm. Try it. Nope. Yeah. And Salah said he never even considered it. Like, I, why not? Why? Yeah. Not? What the, what you, the hell is Flacco going to show you right now? Like, it, right. he's not long for this team. You gave the tender to Mike White $2.5 million to be a third string right. fucking backup quarterback. Come on. Yeah, dude. <sighs> Makes no sense. And that's the thing. Like, you didn't even consider it? Like, why not? Why, why aren't you considering a thousand different scenarios? Mm-hmm. Like, that's to me, that just backs up what we're seeing with Salah on the field, which is so bothersome, Ryan. It's like he's just standing. He's not even considering adjusting anything. And that's and he went out and said, it. I didn't even consider taking Joe Flacco out. Like, wh- no. That's a joke. Why not? Yeah. I mean, even if you choose not to, you at least consider it, explore it. What's the pros and cons? You know what I mean? Nothing. I don't get it, man. And it's concerning. It is. And again, I want to make sure we say you and I, at least I, I, I don't want to speak for you, but from what you said before, we're not trying to throw Salah under the bus here. Mm-hmm. It's just that there are concerns and we have to speak on it. Mumtaz comes in, says offense looks like same old Jets. Why did it feel like Bengals were playing with 15 players on defense? Every pass covered <laughs> and running backs have no room to run need to change some things also zach needs armor we need to put this dude in a bubble i swear if this dude goes down and he misses like the season because of this offensive line i am going to go on the most epic rant of all time i'm gonna lose my fucking cool i can't have this happen i cannot have this happen but yeah mom says i feel the same way this feels very same old jetsy to me and i thought this was going to be the season we leave the same old jets behind green bean how you feeling about the same old jets uh, I, I, that's a funny comment. I, I like the last thing, uh, Mumtaz. Mumtaz, you're the best, bro. You know, you really are. Um, uh, Zach needs arm, right? Bubble wrap, something, you know, something. But that's the thing. Like, we have an opportunity to adjust and protect him. Max protect. If that's what it is, then that's what you got to do. Like, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, you can't just roll out with your offense when you have certain deficiencies that have presented themselves, you have to account for that. You know, now I, I, I get it, Mumtaz. Why does it look like the same old Jets? Why is it if it's Flacco, if it's Sam, if it's McCown, if it's Zach, why does it all look the same? If it's Sala, if it's Bowles, if it's Gase, why does it look the same? If it's McCagan, mm-hmm. if it's Douglas, if it's Idzik, if it's Tanny, why does it look the same? And I don't have an answer. I really don't. Again, I'm convinced, I am confident, I don't even think it can be argued that the talent on this team has been significantly upgraded in the last two seasons. Significant. It's not even in the same stratosphere. But yet the results, the product, it looks the same. Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, it doesn't fucking matter. CJ Mosley, it doesn't matter. It looks the same. And I don't have an answer for that. I really don't. I don't get it. J-Boy says, getting Zach back opens up the playbook. I do think it alludes, I shouldn't say it alludes, but it allows the threat of like an RPO or something. Not that I want to see a dude with a bum knee start running the ball, but uh, I do think it opens up the playbook a little bit. RJ McPot says, who would you like to see as a good replacement swing tackle? Done with Fant. Hopefully Becton is healthy next year. Think Max can play left tackle too. Um, I like Mitchell. 
playing on the right-hand side next to AVT, who is playing at an all-pro level right now. I think you continue that on that side. And look, I think you just add more help on the left-hand side. I don't think there should be any situation where there's not a tight end or a running back hitting whoever is coming off the left-hand side. There should not be one-on-one matchups with uh, McDermott, you know, with anyone who's going to be on the left-hand side. Uh, so that's just my thoughts on that. But swing tackle wise, I have no idea where they wind up going. Uh, Mumtaz drops in with another super chat says, but running game is what is not working because they do try. And after first two downs, it becomes third and long. Then other team knows pass is coming and it won't be deep because O-line can't block that long. I think there's a combination that needs to happen. And I, I, I think you can have passes that are almost like running the ball without having to hand the ball off. And I think there's opportunities for screen plays, for, um, you know, quick slants, for outs. Like Flacco had Brees Hall on a third down play wide open. He threw it behind him and low. And Brees, if he, he got his hands on it, should have caught it, but like still a tough pass. Like, we could get first downs. We're just missing on some things right here. Green Bean, how do you feel about our offensive line or or, or about the um, inability to run on first and second down that leads us mm. into these long third down uh, plays? Well, again, I mean, I think... You look, I, I understand, you know, when you have injuries, just like we're talking about, like... Uh, you know, people say we should have drafted Icky and all that sort of stuff. Like we already, what we did is essentially the same thing. I did. We just didn't use a first round pick. We have a guy playing well, better than Icky and Neil and all that sort of stuff. So that's fine. But when you look at the, the struggles of the offense, it's my very strong opinion that it's our lack of addressing the ups and downs of both you know, the injuries, the limitations on players, the, the flow of the game. Like, Hey, sometimes like you think you're going to have a Garrett Wilson game, but it just so happens that Berrios is hotter. So what do you do? Fucking feed Berrios. Let him see he's in the zone. Yeah. And you have to be able to identify those things. I don't think that we're doing a very good job doing that. And I think that LaFleur is sort of playing, I mean, I'll just say this, I'm not sure if this is exactly it, but I feel like he's playing scared. Like, why are we throwing 60 times a game every game? Like, that game, we were we were two scores behind with the entire half left. Like, start the half and own the clock. Just own it. You start running the damn ball, get creative, and use these plays to get your running backs in some space because we have two incredibly talented. Michael Carter impresses me more and more every week. The guy does not get hit. Mm-hmm. He he just doesn't go down with the first contact. He's he's able to shrink and slither through things mm-hmm. in such a way. It's innate, Ryan. Like it's not something that can be taught. I think it's just something he has. And like he's like a cat we, that can slide underneath a door. <laughs> like that's the t- like yeah, dude right, squeaks yeah. out of the tiniest of holes. Yeah, oh. I mean, and so, like, why aren't we capitalizing on that? Get him the ball. Now, look, we tried to do that with Brees Hall. If Flacco would have hit him, I still think Brees Hall should have caught that pass. I, mm-hmm. I do. I still think, but it was a very difficult pass, and it was mm-hmm. not a good pass. Let's just say that. If he would have just hit him, dude, that was a touchdown. Or at bare minimum, it was a first down and a whole bunch of fun yards. 
You know what I mean? So I think like getting if if the running game is not working right away, at least still get those guys involved so we can so we can cool the defense off and then start to and then start to utilize the running game again. 60 pass plays a game is not good, dude. It's not good, especially when we're struggling like that, we can't even mm-hmm. hit anybody. Why are we going back to the thing that's not working? It's like the Elijah Moore play down the sideline. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Ablab comes in and says, Tomlin doesn't have the talent Salah has, but Tomlin can coach circles around the best of them. This game has the potential yep. of a truly expes- exposing Salah's inept leadership. Tomlin's a top five coach. This guy, I did not give him the credit he deserved until I saw Le'Veon Bell come here and Antonio Brown leave Pittsburgh. Once I saw those guys leave and I saw what he was able to contain and keep bottled up and all the issues that those players could possibly create, um, look, Tom, Tomlin's a top five coach. I think the, the Steelers are lucky to have him, and I would love to have a coach of half the, capa- half the caliber that he is. Uh, Greenbean, you think Tomlin's going to coach circles around us this week? I think he can, man. And that's the thing, like, you know, you brought up Le'Veon Bell and, and Antonio Brown, but let's be real, they've been doing this forever. I mm-hmm. mean, it, even back to the days of, like, Greg Lloyd. Greg Lloyd was the best edge rusher in the entire league. He leaves, he's kind of average, Kevin Green comes in. He's the best damn pass rusher in the entire league. He leaves, and the next guy comes, and then it's James Harrison, and then he's the best damn, th- and, and, and it happens every year. And then you look at their wide receivers, whether it's, um, what the hell was the guy's name? Mike Smith or, you mm-hmm. know, Emmanuel Sanders. It's just, it never stops. The, the next guy up is able to be just as good, if not better than the guy who just left. They very Flex rarely Gilbert, go out there. San, uh, Santonio right? Holmes, Antonio totally. Brown, <laughs> Deontay Johnson, goes on and on and on. Chase Claypool. You're going to have Pickens eventually, right. like just a pipeline of guys. And right, and it never stops. And that's like when we talk about the limitations of our coaching right now. And look, we're we're. I think most of us are willing to to kind of suspend the idea that they're going to be as good as somebody like a Tomlin. But when you look across town and you see what Brian Dable's doing with the Giants, or you look down in Miami and you see what Mike McDaniel is doing with the Dolphins, or you look over in Philadelphia and you see what Sirianni's doing, or you look at Cincinnati and see what Zach Taylor like. You can see, like, okay, if it takes a couple years, that's fine. But again, we're talking about being the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL for 21 straight games. Like, Mm -hmm. that is not okay, man, especially when you've added eight new quality players. And you look, somebody might not like one or two, but you can't Mm -hmm. deny that they're upgrades. You can't deny it, man. And five first-round picks, and, and it's like, so that's the difference. When you see... The Steelers and the Ravens do the same thing, Ryan. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. they lose guys every year, and the guy that comes in, he's just as good, if not better, because the system and the coaching, they know what they're doing. We don't. We don't know what we're doing, and and you're seeing the results. Edward Ziff says, Joe Flacco slow dropping back to pass, slow on his reads, and late getting the ball to open receivers. Yeah, look, I'm I'm done with the Joe Flacco experience. I would like to see Mike White if if uh, Zach Wilson's not going to be able to go. Uh, Shavanshu says after Dwayne's injury, JD waited too long. Did he? I like you have Fant. You drafted Mitchell. We don't have much salary cap space left. Like we gave the rest of it to Dwayne Brown. 
and it just burnt us between him and Becton. Like these guys were yeah. not injury prone prior to us getting them. And then it's they true. go down and it's crippling. It it, it like I, I understand if you don't like the Becton pick from its inception. Like we were all saying we want Wirfs. It was the safer pick. We thought it was the right move. We went with Becton. High upside guy. Guy was electric his first year. The upside was there, clearly there. Injury was not a concern. It was it was the the size, the weight, like that stuff was a concern. Should have had a nutritionist from the very beginning. The knee injuries, that wasn't a thing. That didn't happen until after he was drafted here. Like I don't blame Joe Douglas for this. He has thrown so much money at this offensive line and it's not like they're bad players. It's just guys just don't perform here. I can't figure out why. Ugh, I don't know. Joe S says, "What impact has Salah done in 20 games so far?" The impact that we've seen from Salah, I don't know if it's necessarily on the field, which is incredibly frustrating. So I, I completely understand fans being upset with this. But the impact that Salah has had is this organization isn't viewed from players and outsiders as a laughing stock, really. Like you have Quan Alexander coming to play for Robert Salah. You have Carl Lawson wanting to come and play for Robert Salah. You have Tomlinson. You have Solomon Thomas. Like there's a lot of players that are coming to play for Robert Sala. Now you have to get the play out of them, which is where I think all of us are frustrated. But I think that is the appeal of Sala. He's a player's coach. Guys want to play for him. I just don't understand why we're not seeing the results. So I think that's incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Green Bean, your thoughts. Yeah, you know what? It, you know, here let me say this too. Like I I definitely think the culture has changed, right? I think that their focus on the specific type of player has paid dividends. I, I do, as far as culture and laughing stock and all that, but I'm going to say this. Quinnen Williams having that blow up with mm -hmm. his coach on the sideline is, that's a, that's a window into something. That's bigger, mm -hmm. okay? That's not just a sink. There's something there that blew up, okay? There's some, now, and then after the game, when DJ Reed says, we have to have a meeting, and he says, the coaches, the players, and everybody. That's, in my opinion, that dovetails. That's connected to the Quinn and Williams thing, okay? Mm -hmm. And then you have guys, you know, like Denzel Mims asking for a trade. You, you know, you have the Zach Wilson doctor thing. Like, there's some stuff going on here. I do think that they've changed the culture, but I don't think that it's strong enough, the foundation is strong enough to weather this type of shit. And that's the thing, like the losing and the, the lack of accountability, the lack of being mm -hmm. able to adjust and mold around the talents of the team. I think that that's going to wear down. Like the culture is good. The culture is changed. It's strong, but consistently losing. I don't think it's that strong. I think it's going to erode very, very quickly. And we're already seeing it. Quinnen Williams is bless you. Thank you, man. He's a sweetheart. Why is he? looking like a monster ready to choke out his defensive line coach. What is that? You know what I mean? What's going on here? Now, we know what it is, but what is it really? What's mm -hmm. going on here? So I think that we're seeing some cracks in the foundation, and I hope they don't grow any bigger, man. I hope they take care of this. I don't want to see a complete implosion here. Yeah, dude, DJ Reed had the same comments. He's like, oh, the coaches, the players and coaches have to get together to clarify things. Like, that's a red flag. Right. It absolutely is. When you start dropping the coach name, it's like, hey, look, maybe we got to work some stuff out. Not great. Not great. 
Charles Gorman says, I'm done with this coaching staff. Sorry, I'm done. I don't want to be done yet. I want to give them time to figure it out. I do think stability is key in the NFL. Um, V-Man says, Steelers are notorious for playing down to the competition and are winless. When TJ Watt is injured, Jets should be competitive in this game. They're winless until this week. The Jets have to find a way to dominate this team, especially if you get Zach Wilson back. Like there, there has to be some life. If you want to have any shot going into that Miami game, like right now, Miami is in a, another league. We're, we're not even close to Miami or Buffalo right now. Those two teams are going to absolutely destroy the Jets if we continue on this path. Uh, Adam S says one and two and Zach is coming back. Not all bad up from here. That's a glass half full kind of a guy and a glass half full kind of a guy. And I really do appreciate that. Um, but dude, I'm not, <laughs> I, I want to be optimistic, but I'm not as optimistic until I actually see some results on the field. Uh, Mumtaz says inexplicable. How workhorses like Tomlinson and Whitehead and a guy who led the league by a big margin in pressures such as Lawson can't produce for us. We all loved our offseason, so it is hard to blame Joe Douglas. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, yeah. if mm-hmm. if this season falls apart and the coaching staff falls apart and Zach Wilson doesn't do well, like, I'll be honest, I don't want to lose Joe Douglas. Like, I think he's a really good I GM. Either. I would be infuriated. Mm-hmm. That's, that's part of the reason why I want Salah to work out is because – you lose Douglas. How long have we gone with incompetent GMs? Joe Douglas right. is the dude. He's gotten us good talent via waiver wire, via trade, via uh, you know free yeah, agent. Yeah. Like the t- we all yeah. agree the talent is there. If you're yep. not, if if you have all the ingredients and the cook in the kitchen is not able to make a good recipe, don't blame the person that did the shopping that got all the groceries that have the good right. uh, you know the goods there. That's right. That's a good, that's, I love it. I love how you put that. Right. He went out and got the finest ingredients. The cook burnt mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? Yep. Is it, is it the, is it the guy who went and got the groceries? Now look, and that's not to say Joe Douglas is perfect, right, Ryan? I mean, look, you know, we're here talking about, I thought he was a little bit too hesitant to uh, backfill the tackle position. Like what we saw today, he went out there and he got, you know, yesterday and today, he went out there in 24 hours and got two new tackles. That's what I think should have happened two weeks ago. You know what I mean? Three weeks ago. That's honestly, and I think that, you know, we've seen him do that a couple times, like with the kickers. We've seen it a few times. Like he kind of is a little bit slow to the punch. Now maybe he's unable to get things done. He's working on it, and that's all possible. But I still think overall, even with mistakes, don't forget this is his first time being a general manager. So when you look at the first, you know, 2020 and the coaches, there's going to be mistakes, and that's fine. But it's hard for me to look at everything he's done and say, yeah, this guy needs to get fired. Like, even if Sala goes and Zach isn't the guy, I still think Joe Douglas is a quality GM who knows what the hell he's doing, and he just might need a couple swings. Uh, MC Lean says, my super chat from about the D-line didn't make it from part one. I thought I hit it. I must have missed it. Uh, so here's the, the comment. Rotations make zero sense when they get winded. Uh, running back and fourth on and off the field every other play instead of staying on. Keep the best players on the field. Yeah, hey, every time they run on and off the field, that's an extra 50-yard sprint. Stay on the field. (laughs) Run the 10 yards, get to the quarterback. You're burning everybody out with these running back and forth (laughs) from the sideline. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, he's saying it perfectly, dude. Keep the best players on the field. I mean, is that so hard? 
No, is that so it hard? Be. Yeah. Again, dude, guys, I'm telling you, when you watch the sack exchange, most of the game, 90%, 94% of the game, Gastineau, Klecko, Lions, and Salam were on the field. When you look at the, you know, the the really good defensive line we had in the 90s with Lagerman, uh, Bird, and um, you know, and uh Mercero and Washington, dude, they played 90% of the game. I mean, they came out for a rest here and there. You got to do that. That's fine. But most of the time they were out there. Why? Because they were the best players we have. Look at Rex's teams. He had Trevor, uh, you know, Price uh, and whoever else was on the end. We had Puha and DeVito out there all day long. Why? Because they were important to his scheme. He had the four linebackers doing other things, but he had his line. They clogged that run all day long. He rarely, you know, like that's like he kept his best guys on the field. And that's what I don't understand the logic here, especially when they're the guy they chose to keep, like in Nathan Shepard, isn't even the guy we should have kept. And we're and we're doing this for him. Yeah, I wonder if there's any like, are there any analytics to back this up? This feels very like this style of defensive line rotation feels very much like the third time through the lineup for baseball. Like why pitchers get pulled instead of going seven, you know, innings deep into a game. At least there's stats to back it up. Like, hey, third time through the rotation, they just know what you're going to throw at them. Is there that data to back up what we're doing right now? Because it certainly doesn't feel like it. Uh, Shivanshu drops in, says, the new two left tackles we just signed should have happened last week. At least Connor shouldn't have been our backup behind Fant after Dwayne went down. I don't know what our salary cap is. It's gotta be low. Like you're not finding good players at this point in the season. Like let the guys that you have in house attempt to play backup first before you start worrying about like, Oh, Hey, we need a guy for the backup of our backup of our backup. Like I, I, I can't get on Douglas for that. He brought in three quality or not brought in. He had three quality tackles in Becton Brown and Fant and all three are gone. Right. I just, I got nothing else to say on that. Yeah. I mean, but, but I do agree. Like, you know, I think that last week, at least like, you know, when, when, when we knew that fans kind of nursing an injury, he hasn't practiced fully in three weeks. Like we got to wait until Thursday, Friday to put him out on Mm -hmm. the field. So that's dangerous. Like, you know it. And Connor McDermott being really the only guy as a backup, mm-hmm. who's our backup right tackle? Who the hell do we have over there? I don't even know who it is. Do we it's have probably one? McDermott? <laughs> that's yeah. probably who it is. But, McDermott's a tackle on both sides, right? So that's I think what what MC Lean I think it was is uh, mm-hmm. is saying. It's like, and I agree with that. Like I have no problem with not using the first round of the draft for tackle. I have no problem with that. You know, I love mm-hmm. the idea of getting a tackle, whether it was third round, fourth round, fifth round. We ended up not having our fifth round picks because of the trade-ups. That's fine. I loved that mm-hmm. whole thing. I'm fine with it. But again, when Beckton went down, we got Dwayne Brown. When he went down and George Fance, you know, knee is gone. I think he should have been doing what he did today. And yesterday, he should have did that two, three weeks ago. That's my opinion. So, um, it, hey, better late than never, sure. But... Again, I would really feel good knowing that, you know, Mike Remmers or Ubagabagubal came in and they are, <laughs> they're already on the roster for two weeks. You know what I mean? That's they, true. They've been absorbing it. That's what I want. I feel better about that. Brandon Frey says, I don't know what's worse, that I'm about to be slammed by Hurricane Ian 
or that I have to watch the Jets on Sunday. Dude, <laughs> I feel bad. Maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe uh-huh. you'll uh, get slammed by Hurricane Ian. You'll be out of power, and you won't have to watch the Jets on Sunday. Sorry. That's uh, uh-huh. not real funny, but <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, there's a comment, too, by Hawk. He says, Salah thinks effort equals talent. I think that's really a good way to say it. Like, when Mm. you look at a guy like, and, you know, just an example, like Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims is a very mild-mannered, kind of introverted guy. Mm -hmm. But when you put him on the field, he's a gamer. You know what I mean? He is. And, yes, he had his mistake. You know, he had his problems last year. That's fine. But I think, like, he's looking at, like, a Nathan Shepard and a Jeff Smith in practice. Jeff Smith has never done a goddamn thing. He did that. Fake punt two weeks ago. Great. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Anybody could have caught that. That could have been Berrios. Could have been, it could have been uh, Mims. It could have been anybody. That's not enough reason to keep a talent like Denzel Mims. But maybe De- in practice, Denzel Mims doesn't look the same. So he's in the mm-hmm. doghouse. Ty Johnson, real good practice. Put him in a game. He drops, he drops third down passes. That's what he does. And I think that's a good way to say it, Hawk. I think that's kind of one of the issues. He equates work, effort, with talent, and that's not necessarily the case all the time. AbLab comes in and says, Douglas will fire Salah before he gets fired. He is cold-blooded mm. and won't hesitate to fire him if we have six wins or less. Book it. Man, if Joe Douglas pulls the trigger on Robert Salah, how long was Salah's contract? Was it five years or was five it four years? years? Man, five. dude, I don't see, now, how much I don't see the Johnsons. I know. Look, we're still paying Gase. We're still paying Salah. No, not After anymore. this year, we're I, done. I think Gase we're is done. this year still. I think Gase had a four-year contract. I think uh, after this year, it would be Salah as the only head coach we're paying. Like, if you have an opportunity where you think you can get Sean Payton, you do whatever yeah. you can to get him. Got to do it. Thirty but, million a year. Yep. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get him. But if you swing and you miss. Now you're in a world of hurt because now all of a sudden you've pissed off a coach that a lot of people were very high on that, you know, just hasn't worked out. I Look, I, I hope Salah can turn it around because I want him to be the guy. I really do. I do right. enjoy totally. him as the head coach. Me too. I want him to work too. I'm looking up his salary right now. I think he makes $5 million a year too. Holy shit. So Robert if, Sala if we makes, t- wait, Sala is already making more money than playing. He spent four, uh, the Jets haven't, okay, wait, yep, five million a year for five years. So it's rumored that some of the, That's like crazy. the big head coaches, like I don't know what Belichick's getting, but I know Gruden was getting 10 million a year. Like if you bring in Sean uh-huh. Payton, you're giving him 10 million a year. And I don't give a shit about Woody yeah. Johnson's money. Like dude's a billionaire, pay the dude $10 million yep. a year. There is no salary cap on coaches. Do whatever you yep. have to, to get a hall of right. fame caliber coach in here, especially Austin a guy with business. such a strong offensive background. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, I mean, Sean Payton, if Sean Payton was here, we already know what he's going to bring. He's a known commodity. If you got to pay him $15 million a year, you pay him. Belichick's making twelve point five a year. Pete Carroll, 11. Shanahan, 9.5. Uh, Sean McVay is making fifteen to $18 million Holy hell. you got to pay the coach. Is making eight point five. Tomlin's $8 million. <laughs> McDermott's $8 million. Damn. Yeah. So we're low on the look, totem pole. There's no reason yeah, you can't throw I, money at, at Peyton. Right. Nick Sirianni's making six between six and seven. K- Kingsbury's making 5.5. Matt LaFleur makes five. 
and Salah makes five. And then Zach Taylor, 4.5. Mike McCarthy, four. Nathaniel Hackett, four. Stefanski, 3.5. So he, he's like in the middle. You know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. the 15th highest paid coach in the league. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's still a lot. Five for a coach. But, like, dude, you know, if you have a – like, it shouldn't even be Joe Douglas. It, it should be Woody Johnson. Woody Johnson should call Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. And say, hey, look, I have an incredibly talented team. Mm-hmm. I have an incredibly talented general manager. We we may have swung and missed. We would love to bring you here. Um, the thing is, Sean Pey- Payton might not want a general manager. You know what I mean? Well, that's he might the thing. Like, is he going to want to be the uh, the GM and the head coach at the same time? I I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. Like. Do you move on from Douglas so Peyton can do both? Did Peyton do both? I don't think Peyton did both in in uh, New Orleans. I think he had a GM. Didn't wasn't Mickey Loomis the yeah the GM? But yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I I don't know. I think it well, yeah, it was Loomis. Let me let me see. Let me I'm pretty see sure that. it was. Uh, Mumtaz drops in and says, sorry for over chatting, but how come other teams are paying players like 30, 40, 50 million and some doing that for multiple players and we are barely giving big money to players and still keep running out of dollars the salary cap is a goddamn myth uh, that's i i feel like i know the salary cap really well and then like friggin' other teams 100 million dollars void year void year void year and then all of a sudden they have anyone they've got like any player they want now it uh-huh. should eventually hurt your cap you know i think um was it Brown? I think Brown did the void years. I think it was like two or three void years at the end of it to stretch his salary cap out a little bit more. Uh, but that's what it is. You add void years and it stretches the signing bonus out. And then all of a sudden you have a lower salary cap hit uh, than you otherwise would have. But that's for like teams that are winning. Like we shouldn't be doing that just yet. Just to like right. get an offensive tackle that would be like the fifth one on our team at this point. Yeah, well, I I think you know that's a, it's a good point, and I and I agree with that. And speaking of the devil, we were just talking about the Saints. I mean, the Saints were a hundred and nine million dollars over the salary cap two years ago, and mm-hmm. they got under it without losing anybody. They mm-hmm. got under it without losing anybody. So how, that's Mickey Loomis for you. So I mean, he's he he's he's considered one of the best GMs in the league. Now I don't know, you know, if Sean Payton. That's a different story. You know, you look at Mickey Loomis versus Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas isn't necessarily a known commodity yet, in the same way. Um, but uh, but yeah, man. I mean, the salary cap thing. Don't forget. I mean, this is one thing that is real. Is Joe Douglas was tasked with cleaning this first. You know what I mean? Like he had you know, the most dead cap in the league. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And 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 that was just, this was the first year he didn't have dead cap from the McCagnan era. So we have to remember that, you know, I think he's done a decent job, but it does seem like we're a little bit more honest than maybe some of the other teams. Like they're able to figure it out when we're not, but we just saw Joe Douglas do exactly that with CJ Mosley. So it's happening. You know, he's doing it. I think, you know, again, we just got to allow this process in some respects. He came here, it was a complete shit show, and he had to gut it and kind of reset it to a foundation of, you know, like a baseline. And then we'll see, I guess, where he could do it. I think he's done a decent job with all that and the contracts. At least one thing you can say, he's never really tied to anybody. If he wants to get rid of him, he gets rid of him. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Without any dead money, which is nice to see. Joe S says Salah said he doesn't need to motivate players. He clearly does. He clearly yeah. does. I know the the thought process is he shouldn't 
have to motivate players. I think that's where it is. But I right. think if you're getting the effort yes. you're getting right now, uh, you you got to be able to motivate them. Uh, Chris KV says, is Peyton a head coach and Salah defensive coordinator an option? No, absolutely not. You cannot no, no, keep no. a former head coach. It's the same reason we said, hey, we would love to have Rex as defensive coordinator. You can't keep Rex without undermining the new head coach. If That's Salah right. is not the head coach, he's got to be gone along with the rest of his staff, and he'll allow the new guy to come in and bring in whoever he wants. But I hope – look, I just hope we can turn it around. I really do. Yeah. Uh, Greenbean, I'm going to have you go to last week's stream because we're almost we're, – we're at the end of this, and I want to get these last few Super Chats in. Uh, so if you can go to last week's stream, we're going to pick five qualifiers from the comment section there. Uh, Mike Jerome says, I like Lakin, but I think playing next to an all-pro left tackle in Trent – uh, made him look a bit better than he was. Same concept with AVT. Also, our offensive line throwing 50 times is a recipe for failure. I completely agree with you. I think Tomlinson had the benefit of playing next to Trent Williams. Was that the name I'm, I'm losing right now? The all-pro tackle that was brought over to the 49ers last year. Um, I think yeah. that I think that name's right. That sounds right in my head. Um, same thing with AVT, AVT playing on the left-hand side with Fant maybe made Fant look a lot better. I think AVT may be making Mitchell look a little bit better totally. than he is right now. And I think that is key. Now it sucks that, that Tomlinson's not playing up to par, but dude, I, I completely agree with you, uh, on this stance. Mike Jerome drops in with another super chat says also, we need to pound the rock and play action jj davis parks need more playing time joiner has to go we need more man-to-man joiner must be off the field 100 i want to see davis on the field more or parks either one totally. jj i don't mind seeing jj on earlier downs i don't know if he necessarily has the pass rushing repertoire right now that carl lawson and maybe even someone like michael clemens may have i would like to see huff ahead of jj for sure with lawson and then i would like to see maybe clemens and jj spell those guys um but yeah running the rock and play action and you know utilizing the tight ends that's what i thought we were signing up for when i said this team is vastly improved from last year and we're going to see an entirely new offense than we saw all of last year i have not seen that at all this year no so i'm with you ryan i'm with you stifler's mom uh... says i don't know man it just seems like we trust flacco more than our run game i I don't know. Do we trust him more than our run game or do we trust him more than our offensive line? I it it's weird. It feels odd. Like Brees hasn't really been the dude, but he's he's looked better the last like week and a half or so. Michael Carter is shifty and I feel like you can get him in space and then you have like Fant getting a holding penalty two games ago when Michael Carter has a nice little like 15-20 yard run. I think our offense is the crux of most of this. I think we trust our running game, but I think we trust Flacco to get the ball to our weapons more than we trust our running backs being able to run behind our offensive line. God, that's infuriating. All right, Greenbean, you got five names for me? Yep. Let's All see right, fire here. away. I'm going from the top down. Let's go with Rich Dubow, D-U-B-E-A-U. Good luck, D Rich. What is it, D? U-B-E-A-U, Debo. All right, next one. Happy tanking. It's <laughs> uh -huh. a good right. one. Let's go with Dave Pockets. Pockets. Yeah. All right. Eric Craig. He's back in the mix. Love it. 
And? And then we have Kenneth Duffy. Kenneth Duffy also retweeted the stream like a boss. So I'm glad he got nice. picked in that. Uh, I picked uh, Sam Asim Akur, Racing and Jason, and Yanks win again as our uh, qualifiers from the retweeting of the stream. Uh, so let's do a little uh, odds or evens right now. Green Bean, three, two, one. That's an even. Asim Akur, gone. Yanks win again, gone. Happy tanking, Eric Craig, gone. Three, two, one. That's an odd. Sam, gone. Rich DeBoe, gone. Kenneth Duffy, gone. We're down to two. Racing, Jason, and Dave Pockets. Chat, give us a number. Green Bean, three, two, one. That's an eight. Eight plus... What's the first number we're getting? Eight plus eight, 16. It's an even number. Ooh, we got Racing, Jason. Racing, Jason, reach out to me on Twitter. Let me get your information. I will send you a shirt. That is very, very cool, and I think you will enjoy wearing it. But Green Bean, we have reached the end of our show, so I want to get your closing thoughts. Tell us what you got going on. Well, it's nice to be able to vent like this. You know, uh, obviously, we're all kind of disappointed, so it's good to be able to just kind of get it out and throw it around. The hope is that we can turn it around. Uh, tomorrow morning is the release of number 85, episode 85 of Green Beans Jets Pod. We're going to dig into what the real problems are with this team and maybe even some solutions. That'll be out at 7 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, Beanbaggers, it's already in your email. You can watch that. Uh, but, yeah, that's what's going on. I hope everybody has a great week and we'll beat the damn Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. Hell, yeah. I love it. Boys and girls, thank you so much for flying with us tonight. Make sure you hit that like button on the way out. Tell a friend that you like the Talking Jets panel. Get some more guys in here, girls in here as well. Boys and girls, it's been a lot of fun. Hopefully, we're going to be celebrating a victory Sunday, Monday, Tuesday this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Come on, boys and girls. Thank you for flying with us. This is Jets Talk signing off. J-E-T-S.